Let me just ask you a question to begin today. How many of you ever had a bad day? Raise your hands if you've ever had a bad day. Good, good. How many of you ever had a bad night? Raise your hands if you've ever had a bad night. I had one of those bad nights last night. My son, my two-year-old son, who never wakes up in the middle of the night, decided that last night he, he wanted to bless us with his screaming presence for almost four hours. And how many of you know when your kids are waking you up in the middle of the night, you've got to pray for the love of God in your heart for them, right? We had one of those bad days, those bad nights last night, but I want you to listen to a story. It's a true story, and I want you to be encouraged to know today that there has been somebody on this planet that their day was a lot worse than yours. I know as I read this story, you're going to have a hard time believing it is a true story. I promise you it's true. And the reason why I know it's true is because I found it on the internet. A man was working on his motorcycle on his patio and his wife was in the kitchen. The man was racing the engine on the motorcycle when it accidentally slipped into gear. The man still holding onto the handlebars was dragged through his glass patio doors of his home and along with the motorcycle, dumped onto the floor inside of the house. The wife, hearing the crash, ran into the dining room and found her husband lying on the floor, cut and bleeding, the motorcycle lying next to him, and the shattered patio door. The wife ran to the phone and summoned the ambulance. Because they lived on a fairly large hill, the wife went down the several flights of stairs to the street to escort the paramedics to her husband. After the ambulance arrived and transported the man to the hospital, the wife uprighted the motorcycle and pushed it outside. Seeing that gas was spilled on the floor, the wife got some paper towels, blotted up the gasoline, and threw the towels into the toilet. The man was treated and released to come home. Upon arriving home, he looked at the shattered patio door and the damage done to his motorcycle. He became despondent. He went into the bathroom, sat down on the toilet, and smoked a cigarette. After finishing the cigarette, he flipped it in between his legs into the toilet bowl while seated. This gets better and better. The wife who was in the kitchen heard the sound, the, the loud explosion and her husband screaming at the top of his lungs. She ran into the bathroom and found her husband lying on the floor. His trousers had been blown away and he was suffering from burns on his backside, the back of his legs and his groin. The wife again ran to the phone to call the same ambulance crew that had come earlier that day. This, the very same paramedic crew was dispatched, and the wife met them at the street. The paramedics loaded the husband on the stretcher and began carrying him to the street. While they were going down the stairs to the street, accompanied by the wife, one of the paramedics asked the wife how the husband had burned himself. She told them, and the paramedics started laughing so hard that one of them slipped and tipped the stretcher, dumping the husband onto the concrete. He fell down the remaining part of the journey and broke his arm on the way to the hospital for the second time. How many of you would say, that's a pretty bad day? You know, we can laugh at this story and so many others of the bad days that have happened. But how many of you know it's a lot easier to laugh at other people's bad days than it is on your own, right? 
And this year in 2020 has been full of bad days. It has been full of days that have been full of pain and sorrow and grief. It has been full of days of loss of income, shutting down businesses. It has been full of days where goals that you had set, if any of you can remember your New Year's goals, how many of you know those have been blown apart by now? It has been full of those dreams that have been shattered. It's been full of days where some of you didn't get to walk across the stage to graduate from high school or college. Some of you were so excited to attend a new high school, and now it's, it's virtual, and it's just not what you had dreamed of. And I, as a leader in the community and as a pastor, have watched as people that have been depressed have now turned it into stress, and that stress has turned into anxiety, and that anxiety has turned into hopelessness, and it begs the question, and here's our tension that we're leaning into today. Here's what I want to kind of answer before we leave this room, and the tension is simply this. It is, what do you do when you have a bad day and God seems far away? What do you do when you have a bad day and God seems far away. How many of you would be transparent enough to admit you've had days that were bad and you felt like God was nowhere to be found? Yeah, I have. What do you do in those moments? And what we're going to do is we're going to look at a book in the Bible that's called Psalms. And this book is written really with the perspective of a multitude of people that have had bad days. And they, this book was used after it was written by Christians in the New Testament, and they would look back at these psalms, and they would be encouraged by people that had had bad days, but it also found God was still faithful, and that God was still good. And this particular psalm that we're studying for the next several weeks is the one that was written for the worst of days. It was one that was written for the darkest hour, for the, the midnight time in our lives. It is, it is Psalm chapter 23. It was written by a guy named King David who was facing a time in his life that historians tell us that as he wrote this text, his family was completely falling apart. How many of you have ever seen somebody else's family that was totally dysfunctional? Raise your hands. I'm not talking about your family. I'm talking about somebody else's family. But I want you to listen to David's family story journey, and I want you to understand that yours might not be quite this dysfunctional. You see, his daughter had been raped by one of the, his, half, his half sons, and because his, the, uh, another son of his wanted to avenge his sister's rape, he actually killed the brother that raped her, and then he fled out of fear for his life, and then he came back, and when he came back, he actually tried to steal the kingdom from his father, David. His name is Absalom, and he was trying to rob his father of his kingdom. In fact, he led an entire rebellion. And the rebellion got so intense that David actually had to flee for his life. Now, how many of you go, my family's a little dysfunctional, but it's not that bad, right? This is a rough time. And when I, I just picture David writing this psalm, and he's, I, I just picture him running for his life, and he finally has a chance just to catch his breath and stop. And he sits under a tree, and he writes 
these words. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. So here's what he's doing. The first thing he's doing is he is going back into one of his prior occupations. So he's king now, but he's remembering a time in his life when he wasn't king, long before he was king, when he was a shepherd. And he says, I am in need of a shepherd right now. Now, it's very important as we look at this to realize that David is acknowledging here that he is a man who has great need. This psalm is not written for those of us that think we are self-sufficient. How many of you believe that God this year has stripped all of us away from being self-sufficient? Hello? It's, it's written out of a perspective of this psalm is, is saying, hey, I realize I can't give myself what I need. Jesus actually talked about this in the Sermon on the Mount when he said that there is a group of people that he wants to bless, and they are called the poor in spirit. Everybody say the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are simply people who understand their need for God. They understand that they can't actually provide everything that they need for themselves. They, they understand that, that God is the only one, that Jesus is the only one that, that can provide their needs. But he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And now some of you are already ahead of me and you're going, wait, if the Lord is my shepherd, wouldn't that mean that we are sheep? And I just want to tell you, this is a little offensive because just give you a couple things about sheep. First of all, sheep are not animals that know how to take care of themselves. They, they need meticulous care. They need constant attention. And I hate to hurt all of our feelings, but they are also known to be some of the stupidest animals on the planet. In fact, sheep are known without the care of a shepherd to literally just kind of walk over cliffs at, to their own death. There's actually, as I studied this, I found out that sheep are commonly known to wander off from the flock and to just kind of sit down and die. In fact, there are many, many uh, people, many shepherds and people that, that have just found sheep, and there's no actual reason why they died. They just sat down and died. So this this whole thing is kind of offensive when you think about it, because if God's the shepherd, that means we are sheep. That means we can't take care of ourselves, and it also means that we're not the brightest people on the planet. Hello? Some of you are offended. Let's move on. They're also known to be very gregarious. And here's what I mean by gregarious. Gregarious simply means that sheep, what they would do is they understood that they could not make it on their own, so they would band together. They always had to stay together because if one of them wandered off, they don't have any way to protect themselves. And so there would be wolves that would follow the, the pack of the sheep, and what they would do is they would wait for the lone ranger. They would wait for the one that wandered off on their own, and then they would attack, and they would kill that sheep. Now, here's, here's what you have to understand. Sheep, you always see them most of the time together, and you, you maybe think, oh, that's so cute, and they must really love each other, and they can't survive each other, and that's really the opposite of the truth. It's not that they like each other that much. It's that they know that they can't make it on their own. They know that they need each other to protect each other. And 
let me just make a plug here for the fact that we were not ever meant to walk through this life with Jesus as a lone ranger. We need each other. And how many of you know there's times that we don't always like each other, but that doesn't mean we still don't need each other. Hello? Just turn to your neighbor and say this. Say, there's times I don't like you, but I know I need you. Listen, we've only been in small groups, I think, a week now. I think we've only had small group for one week during this small group season, and I know something probably happened in your small group one time. You've only met one time, and it was something that literally annoyed you, drove you crazy. Somebody said something. Somebody did something offensive. Somebody used the whole time to talk about their problems and didn't leave any time for anybody else. Listen, somebody did something to drive you crazy, and I know some of you are here, and you're already thinking, when is this small group season going to be over? And it's only been a week. Here's what I want to encourage you. It's not that you always have to like each other, but you always know that you need each other. And when you wander off from the flock, when you get in alone and you get away from the community of your small group, what happens is the, the wolf, who is actually Satan himself, is waiting. He's watching because it's a lot easier to grab one that has wandered away from the flock than to attack the whole flock as they're banded together. Come on, somebody. Now, some of you maybe are in the room and you got invited here. You may be a family member of somebody and it's Labor Day weekend. And so, you know, they said, hey, we go to church on Sunday. So you came with them and you're not necessarily a, a Jesus follower. Or maybe somebody invited you and said there was a free lunch involved. Or maybe somebody invited you and said there's pretty single girls here. Or whatever the reason is that you're here. But you find yourself here and you go, I'm not really into this Jesus thing and into this God thing, and now you're talking about shepherds, and it sounds like the next step in this service is going to be like we all hold hands and start singing Kumbaya, you know, together. And you're, you're sitting there, and you're, you're going, I, I don't need to hear about a shepherd, but here's what I have to tell you. We all have some type of a shepherd in our lives. We have something or someone that leads us, whether that's your own personal goals or your dreams or some financial things that you're trying to accomplish or you know, maybe a, a guru or maybe scheduling more yoga sessions. You've got something in your life that centers you and that tries to lead and guide you. But here's the issue with anything else besides God that you're, you're allowing to lead and guide you is, is this. The things that lead us most likely will never really love us. The things that lead us most likely will never really love us. So here we've got David. David sitting underneath that tree and is reminded of the shepherd. And he understands, my moment in my life is so rough right now. My family situation is so bad right now. I'm running for my life, and I know that more than anything else, what I need is a shepherd. And he's reminded that good shepherds are entrusted with sheep because they, the, good she, the, the, the person who has hired the good shepherd understands that that shepherd will take care of all of the needs of the sheep. That shepherd will make sure that that sheep 
isn't attacked, that that sheep survives the wolves. That shepherd will make sure that the sheep get the water and the nutrients and the sources that they need. And so David understands because he was a good shepherd, but you have to understand here that the psalm is not about David the shepherd. David is just understanding that he's going back to his prior occupation because he understands that the Lord is now his shepherd. The Lord. What gives the qualifications and the character of God to, for us to be able to put ourselves up underneath the care of the shepherd, to become a sheep that is literally just following after the shepherd? Who is the Lord? When and how did we become the object of his affection? When did we become, get under the care of the shepherd? Well, the Lord has a name. They called him in the Old Testament before Jesus came. They called him Jehovah God. And then there was a moment in time where God decided, I want to, I want to show them my care. I want to show them that I want to be their good shepherd. And so he became God incarnate by sending his son Jesus, and Jesus actually declares, I am the good shepherd. Now watch this. Listen to the words of Jesus. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hired man will run when he sees a wolf coming and will leave the sheep, for they aren't his, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf leaps on them and scatters the flock. The hired man runs because he is hired and has no real concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own sheep, and they know me just as my father knows me, and I know the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. How many of you are grateful that we have a good shepherd that was so willing to care for us, his sheep, that he laid down his life for us. This psalm meant so much to the early Christians that years, hundreds of years ago, there started a series of, of paintings that they, that they would do in the catacombs, and many of you have probably seen some of the paintings of Jesus. In fact, let me just see your hand. How many of you have ever seen a, a painting of Jesus carrying a sheep before? Yeah, many of you. Here's the problem with most of those paintings. The problem with most of those paintings is they're written really, they're, they're painted really well for their, their beauty, but they're not painted very well for their reality. So here's what I mean. Usually the pictures of Jesus carrying the sheep are like the sun is shining and everything's good and the clouds look beautiful and there's this sunrise happening and there's Jesus just carrying the sheep. But how many of you know that is not the current reality of our lives? Hello? I think when Jesus, when we need to understand that Jesus is carrying us as sheep, I think that this picture maybe better represents our actual lives, and that's Jesus carrying us through the trudges of the water because he knows that we can't walk in that water on our own because we will drown ourselves. We can't actually make it through the waters, the rough waters of our life. But if you look ahead in the picture, you'll see that the sunrise is in the distance. Come on, somebody. 
you'll see that he's carrying us through the dark days, but that the good days are coming. You'll see that there's better days ahead. Come on, somebody. How many of you are ready for some better days? Jesus is carrying you through every situation. And I don't know what it is that you're facing today. I don't know what it is that you're going through. I don't know what 2020 has brought you. I don't know if it's been the loss of income or the loss of dreams or the loss of a relationship, a loved one that has passed away from COVID. I don't know if it's the fact that you're an extrovert and you're a physical touch person and you are literally starved right now to just be able to go out and give hugs to people. I don't know what you're facing as Christy comes and the band comes, but I know this. All of us have faced something this year that we are walking through. And Jesus is our shepherd. And he is walking us through the dark times, through the waters, through the drowning waters that we've had. As I look back at my last year, I, I would have never known as we went into the two merges in our different lo- two different locations in January. And man, in January, take your mind back to January. Didn't January feel like this is going to be a great year? And February, yep, it's been a great year so far. Two months of greatness. And then I want your mind to wander back to March. Okay, let's move on. Little did I know that it wouldn't just be trying to figure out how to lead a church through a pandemic, trying to figure out how to preach online, trying to figure out how to care for the sheep as an under-shepherd. I'm not the good shepherd, but I'm an under-shepherd. But little did I know that I'd end up with a CSF brain leak, and I'd have to have brain surgery and be in recovery for six weeks. That's what I've faced, but I don't think what I've faced is probably that much different than what you've faced in this last year. And I just want you to know this morning, my heart is going out to you as your under-shepherd and as your pastor and as your leader. The good shepherd is walking with you. And some of you may not feel his arms, but by faith, I want you to understand that he's walking you through these troubled waters and the sunshine is coming. It's on its way. Now, some of you can buy into this whole good shepherd thing. You could go, okay, that's great. I can buy into Jesus being the good shepherd for everybody else but me. And there's one word in this first verse that David writes that literally is the separation point. And if you don't get a hold of this word, it'll, it'll pass over and you'll miss the meaning of what God wants to do in your life this morning. It is the single most important word. It is the word, my. I want you to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Come on, let's say that. The Lord is my shepherd. Come on, one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. Put your hand over your heart and say, the Lord is my shepherd. 
See, you can know that the shepherd is good and you can know that the character of God is good and that he is loving and that he is kind and that he is gracious and that he is carrying the world through. But if you don't get a hold of the fact that he is your shepherd, it doesn't make a difference. I want you to walk out of here today understanding he is my shepherd. He is your shepherd. And when you understand that he is your shepherd, then you can cry out the words of David and say, he is my shepherd. And because of that, I know that I have all that I need. Another version of the Bible describes it as, not I have all that I need, but I shall not want. I have all that I need. I shall not want. I have all that I need. I shall not want. I have all that I need. I shall not want. I have all that I need. I shall not want. I shall not want. I say that as a decision and as a declaration of who I know God to be. I shall not want. I have no needs. He's going to provide for me. He's going to carry me through. Better days are on their way. I shall not want. I understand that if there is something that I think I need, that, that the good shepherd may not think that I need that right now, and he may think that I need to wait for another time, or he may understand and know better than I do that that's actually not something I need at all. How many of you can go back to your dating life and you can be thankful that there may have been a man or a woman that you thought you needed and God didn't think you needed, and now you look back and you go, thank you, God, I didn't need them. He knows the beginning and he knows the end. He knows the difference between what I want and what I need. He's the good shepherd. And because he's the good shepherd, I have all that I need. And here's something I want you to write down if you're taking notes today. And I want you to get this in your heart. I want you to get this deep in you this morning. Sometimes you don't realize that Jesus is all you need until he's all you have. But when you realize he's all you'll need, you'll never want for more than he can give you. I'll say it again, and they'll get it on the screen this time. Sometimes you don't realize Jesus is all you need until he's all you have. But when you realize he's all you need, you'll never want for more than he can give you. As we get ready to close this morning, Here's some questions I, am, I want you just to ponder before we leave. Do I really belong to Jesus? Am I really under his care? Do I recognize that he is in charge of my life? Do I doubt his goodness and that he wants to walk with me through these hard times? Do I find freedom and complete fulfillment in this arrangement where I've literally put myself under his care and said, 
You lead, and I will follow, and I'll allow you to carry me through. Do I sense purpose and deep contentment because I am under his direction? Some of you are here this morning, and deep in the inside of you, you are not content. You are restless. You're wrestling. You're wondering, when's it going to get better, and how's it going to get better, and there's things that I'm asking God for, and I'm not getting, and underneath all of it, your soul is restless. Your soul is discontent. And when you understand he's all you need, and he's going to give you all that you need, that discontentment that is in the inside of you that I find many times inside of me, it's going to dissipate as you understand he's all you need. Do you know what it means to truly be satisfied? To find soul rest. How many of you have ever had a time where you've gone to bed exhausted and you've slept for eight or nine hours and you felt just as tired when you woke up? You know why? Because it's possible to have physical rest without resting your soul. And my soul finds rest in God alone. This morning, the last question that I want you to ponder is this. What do you really need this morning? What do you really need? Really, deep down on the inside, what do you really need this morning? The Lord is my shepherd. He gives me all that I need. 